Brother Fred, what a joy to stand in this pulpit where you preach every week. Uh, Brother Fred Wolf is uh, one of my heroes. Uh, I love and admire him so much. Uh, I've known him for a long time. Uh, my mama used to carry me to hear him preach when I was a little boy. <laughs> I can uh, still see Brother Fred preaching while I was sitting in my mama's lap. And I, uh, I just love old people. I don't know why. Uh, have you ever noticed that uh, old folks say funny things? Uh, now, we don't mean to say funny things, but old folks say funny things. Uh, I heard about these two old guys the other day. They were both real old and... Uh, they were sitting out on the back porch talking, and one of them turned to the other and he said, Bob, I can never remember, was it you or your brother that was killed in World War II? <laughs> well, you have to be an old folks to understand that, but uh, thank you, Brother Fred, for the joy of coming. I love and admire you and this church so much. I want you to open your Bibles this morning, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I want to read you what I think is one of the most frightening and sobering scriptures in all of the Bible. When I read this scripture, I praise God that I'm saved. Because if you're not saved, this is a very frightening an alarming warning about what can happen to a lost person. So I want you to listen as we read verse 3 and verse number 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Now you might not have noticed it when you read that, because we read them rather casually sometimes, but did you notice that Paul did not say what probably you and I would have said if we had written that? We would have said, Whom the God of this world hath blinded the eyes of them that see not. Because after all, when you use the word blind, you automatically think about somebody who can't see. Blind and eyes go together. But did you notice that Paul did not say, in whom the God of this world has blinded the eyes of them that believe not, but rather the minds of them that believe not. You see, your eyes tell you what you can do, but it is your mind that determines what you will do. Your eyes are what you want to do. Your mind is what you decide to do. You see, that's why you hear people say, I have made up my mind. I would imagine you've never in your lifetime ever heard anybody say, I have made up my eyes. Unless you're a lady who uses mascara, you might say that. But you don't say, I've made up my eyes. You say, I've made up my mind. Because the mind is the seat of your activity. 
And folks, when you stop and think about that, isn't that a frightening truth that unknown to men and unseen to men, the God of this world goes about altering the thoughts and minds of men and women so that they cannot understand the gospel. That's a frightening truth, isn't it? And ladies and gentlemen, we're seeing the fulfillment of that in this generation more so than probably any other generation since Christ. The devil is at work everywhere blinding the eyes of men and women, boys and girls, trying to tell them errors that will doom their soul. And you know he's right here today. We don't see him and we're not going to feel him by our hands, but the devil is always around trying to hurt and hinder the gospel story. And here's what's going to happen. I'm going to preach a little simple sermon. I'm going to tell you how I believe the Bible tells you to be saved. And then at the end of this sermon, I'm going to ask that you would just simply stand up. If you need to be saved, walk right down here and take the hand of Brother Wolf and say, Preacher, I want to be saved. Or maybe you're here and you've been saved. You've never been baptized. Maybe you just need to get up and come down here and say, Brother Fred, I want to be baptized the next time like these lovely young girls were. Maybe you're a Baptist that needs to have a church membership. And I'm going to ask you when the invitation is given that you just get up and just walk down one of these aisles and do whatever God is telling you to do. But I want to warn you, even before the invitation, the devil doesn't want you to do that. And the devil's going to do all that he can to hinder you from walking down this aisle. Now how's he going to do it? Well, Paul said that he is going to blind your mind. That is, he's going to put in your mind thoughts that you think are your thoughts, which in fact will be his thoughts that he has deceived you to put them in your mind. And I'll just share with you a few of those thoughts. Some of the things he's going to tell you why you don't need to walk down this aisle. He's going to tell somebody, you don't need to walk down that aisle because you're not a bad person. You never have killed anybody. You never robbed a bank. You're not into drugs or immorality. You're not a bad person. When I was a young boy growing up uh, many years ago, I grew up in the South where most of you grew up. When I was a little boy 75 years ago, you could ask anybody on a street corner in America, just stop anybody you want to stop, and walk up to them and ask them this question. Are you saved. Are you saved? And the chances are overwhelming they would have said one or two things. Yes, I am. No, I'm not. Now, they may have said other things, but basically that's what people would have said 67 years ago in America. Are you saved? Yes, I am. No, I'm not. Now, if you were to ask the average person today, are you saved? Do you know what he would likely say? Saved? What do you mean saved? I'm not even lost. And if I am lost, what business is that to you? And before our very eyes, we've grown up a generation of men and women who frankly don't believe they're guilty about anything. They don't believe they have any guilt before God, and they don't need to be saved. I saw an interesting survey the other day. They asked the American people in a cross-section of a survey, how many of you believe you're going to heaven when you die? Now just think about this. 
They asked the people, and here's what the survey revealed. 95% of the people who responded to that questionnaire said, I believe that I'm going to heaven. I told my wife when I read that, honey, if 95% of this country is going to heaven, it may not be as good a place we thought it was going to be. 95%. But then the kicker was when they asked them, why do you believe you're going to heaven? Now here's what they said. The overwhelming majority of them said, because I'm not a bad person. And ladies and gentlemen, the devil has deceived this generation into believing that because they don't do a lot of gross immorality that they're all right and they'll go to heaven when they die. But I'm here to tell you today that there's only two kinds of people in this world. Only two categories of people that God has. Now we have hundreds of categories we put people in. God has one and two. Here they are. Listen to what the Bible says. Every person in this building and every man and woman in the world today is in one of these two categories. Here's what Jesus said. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth on is not condemned, but him that believeth not is condemned already, because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You see, ladies and gentlemen, God just looks at two people in the world. Have you believed? If you have, you're not condemned. If you haven't, you're condemned already. It doesn't have anything to do whether you're good or bad, young or old, rich or poor. God just looks at it in two ways. He that believeth is not condemned. He that believeth not is condemned already. So the question I want to ask you today Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and are you clinging to Him alone to get you to heaven? If you have, you're saved. If you haven't, then you're lost regardless of how moral or good or ethical you may be. Don't let the devil tell you that you're not bad. We're all bad and we're all in need of a Savior. The devil's going to tell somebody else, I don't want to walk down that aisle, I'm too bad. I've done something God will not forgive. God wouldn't forgive me. I've been too bad. You know, Brother Fred, I meet people like that sometimes. I meet people who really believe that they've done something too bad to be saved. I was in a meeting some weeks ago, and a lady came up to me after I'd finished preaching. She said, Brother Junior, I'd like to be saved, but I've been too bad. I said, well, ma'am, nobody's too bad. As a matter of fact, that's the kind of people Jesus came to save. That's why I'm saved. I was a bad person. And the Bible says He came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's when you say you're bad, you qualify for salvation. She said, but I'm real bad. Well, I said, ma'am, what have you ever done that's so bad God wouldn't forgive you? I don't want you to listen to what she said. She said, Brother Hill, I have been married three times. And I am living with a man right now who is not my husband. And I don't believe that Jesus would save anybody as bad as that. I said, well, ma'am, I'm sorry that that's happened to you, but i got some wonderful news for you. There was a woman in the Bible who met Jesus at a well who had been married five times and was living with a man who wasn't her husband in Jesus' day. And I'm here to tell you that you've got about two more to go yet, and God will save you then. 
Folks, aren't you grateful to God that there's not a sin in this world you could ever do that would make you so bad God wouldn't save you? Oh, listen, I don't care what you've done, said, thought, or been, or how many times you've ever done, thought, or been. God loves you, and Jesus died for you, and if you'll come to Him today, He'll forgive your sins, save you, and write your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. Don't let the devil tell you that you're too bad. Somebody else is going to say, I'm not going to walk down that aisle because I'm too old. You know, sometimes people think they've waited too long. They say, well, I could have been saved when I was a little boy, a little girl, but, but I'm too old now. God wouldn't save me. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you God will save anybody. you be as old as Brother Fred and God will save you. <laughs> I was over in uh, Snellville, Georgia several months ago, and I, I was preaching, and when the invitation was given, I noticed this elderly lady sitting in the back of the building. Uh, stepped out into the aisle, and she had a, a, a young girl on her arm that were help, was helping her get down to the front. And so when she got down to the front, uh, she said something to the pastor, and he prayed with her, and she sat down. When the invitation was over, the pastor was presenting some people, and he came to this uh, lady, and he said, we're glad that Ms. So-and-so has come today. And he said, uh, ma'am, if you don't mind, would you uh, be willing to tell us how old are you? And that little lady looked out across that audience, and she said, I am 98 years old. I thought of you, Brother Fred, when she said that. 98 years old, I think. Uh, to my knowledge, that's the oldest person I've ever seen respond when I preach. Ninety-eight. Aren't you grateful to God that you don't have to be a certain age to get saved? God will save you, friend. And you might be sitting here today and you've been thinking, I could have been saved when I was young, but I'm old now. No, God never thinks you're too old. You can come to Christ. Somebody might say, I'm too young. I know we don't have a lot of little children here, and not many teenagers perhaps. But, but you know sometimes a little boy or a little girl comes to think they're too young to be saved. One of the joys of my life, Brother Fred, over these years is to watch little boys and little girls come to Jesus. And I've seen them all these years walk down these aisles, and I've seen them grow up and become great men and women of God. And you may be a little boy, a little girl here today, and you've never been saved. I want to tell you some good news. Jesus loves you, and He wants you to be saved right now while you're young. You see, dear friend, the Bible says, Remember thy Creator in the days of thy youth before the evil days draw nigh. I heard Dr. James Dobson focus on the family, give some startling statistics some time ago. And here's what Dr. Dobson said on his radio broadcast. He said, studies have shown that if a person is not saved by the time they're 18, almost 90% of them will never make a profession. Now let me run that by you again. Dr. Dobson said that the studies have shown, he's talking about church roles and those kind of things that give indication of who responds. 
Studies have shown that those that are not saved by the time they're about 18, almost 90% of them never come to Christ. That's a frightening truth, isn't it? It doesn't mean God won't save you when you get old. I've just tried to tell you that He'll save you. But it does mean that as you get old, something happens to your heart. Your heart gets hard. Your mind gets settled. Your will gets stayed. And it becomes hard for you to do the will of God. I had that illustrated to me in such an unusual way. I was in a meeting not long ago. And when the invitation was given, we had several little children come forward. And they were little boys and girls. I guess they were eight nine, maybe one or two of them, seven. And I would stand down front talking to them and shaking hands with them, telling them how proud I was that they'd come forward that morning. And this lady walked up beside me, and she was sort of crying. And she said, Brother Hill, when I saw those little boys standing there saying they'd got saved, that just upset me so bad I couldn't help but cry. And I said, well, ma'am, don't you think little boys and little girls can get saved? She said, well, yes, sir, I know they can get saved. That's not what I was crying about. She said, what I was crying about was I thought about my boy. She said, Brother Hill, when I, my little boy was seven years old, we came to a meeting in this very church where you're preaching tonight. And when the invitation was given, my little boy looked at me and said, Mama, can I go forward tonight? I'd like to be saved. And she said, Brother Hill, I don't know why I said this. I'm so ashamed that I did. But before I knew what I said, I said, Well, son, why don't you wait just a little bit? You're just a little fella. Why don't you wait till you get a little bit older? And she began to cry uncontrollably. She said, Brother Hill, that's been over 30 years ago. And my boy has never mentioned it again. You know what I thought about? I thought about a little boy who came up to the door of salvation and his mama thought maybe he needed to be a little older and sort of discouraged him a little bit. And the sad part is he never came back. Is there a little boy or little girl here today that's not saved? This is the best time you will ever have to give your life to Jesus while you're young, while you're tender, while you're open to the gospel. And so if God speaks to your heart in this invitation, don't say I'm too young. Just say I'm just right for God to save me today. And you come. The devil's going to tell somebody else, you don't want to walk down that aisle. You're saved. You just haven't been baptized. Now, I want you to listen to me very carefully so you won't misquote me. I don't think you've got to be baptized to be saved. I'm thankful for these two lovely girls that were baptized a moment ago. They did what the Bible told them to do. But the good news is they'd have gone to heaven whether they got baptized or not. So you don't have to be baptized to be saved. But now having said that, the Bible is emphatically clear that saved people want to be baptized. Now I want you to listen so you won't misunderstand what I'm about to say. I don't think that you have to get baptized to get saved. But I believe if you don't want to get baptized after you get 
to professing Christ, something may be wrong in your heart. See, see, when you get saved, you want to obey the command of God. You want to do what God told you to do. And the Bible says, Whosoever shall confess with his mouth and believe in his heart that God hath caught, rose from the dead shall be saved. You see, the confession of mouth is really when you are baptized. That's the confession. That's when you confess Jesus. And I believe there's some people here today that's been saved, but you've never been baptized. For whatever the reason, you've never been baptized. Now let me ask you a question. Why haven't you been baptized? What reason could you give for not being baptized? I had a fellow tell me the other day, Brother Fred, he said, I I don't get baptized because I'm afraid of water. I said, well, get over it. Get you a snorkel for your nose if you have to. But get baptized. Because God told you to get baptized. Folks, I believe when you love somebody, you're proud of them, aren't you? Aren't you husbands here today proud of your wives? Aren't you husbands here today proud of your wives? It's too late now, men. You've already missed the opportunity. Well, if you love somebody, you're proud of them. It's just a normal, normal expectancy. Uh, Have you ever had a man walk up to you and say, I'd like to introduce you to my wife. Isn't she ugly? I guarantee you. You have never heard that. If you have, the man's not living anymore. Now, you don't say that. If it's your boy, your girl, your grandson, granddaughter, husband, wife, man, you're proud of them. You want everybody to know. But now, friend, let me ask you a question. Why would you be proud of a son, a daughter, a husband, a wife, a boyfriend, a girlfriend? And you would not be proud of Jesus who saved you. And yet, brother pastor, I I see people all over the country. Scores of people that I've met that say, I'm saved. But I don't need to be baptized. Folks, listen, you don't need to be baptized to get saved. But you need to be baptized to let people know you are saved and to obey the command of God. And I believe I'm talking to somebody right here today that's been saved somewhere in the past, but you've never been baptized. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you got up today and just walked down the aisle and said, Brother Fred... I want to be baptized like those lovely little twin girls were a moment ago the next time they have a baptismal service. I believe I'm talking to several people right here today. Now I want to give you a scripture verse that gives me great pause. I don't know exactly what it means. I asked Brother Fred, he's a better theologian than I am. But there's a verse of scripture in the Bible that I have great pause when I read it and I think about people who've never confessed Jesus and been baptized. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, Whosoever shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I deny before my Father which is in heaven. Now I'm not here to tell you if you don't get baptized, you're not saved. I didn't say that. I'm just telling you, you better read that scripture very, very carefully because it's a powerful reminder of the responsibility you have to get baptized. 
Now, before I leave that point, I want to say just another word about I, I do hope you'll listen very carefully. I was so overjoyed to watch those beautiful young girls get baptized a moment ago. And what Fred said was, they, these girls have trusted Jesus as their Savior. They had trusted Jesus, and then they got baptized. Now, I want you to listen carefully, because I really believe that I'm talking to several people here today that may need what I'm about to say. You see, in the Bible, there is a divine order in baptism. Here's the divine order that God has. You hear the word of God, you believe and are saved, and then you get baptized. That is always the divine order. If you look at anybody in the New Testament that was saved, that's how it happened. Heard the word of God, saved, baptized. But now, unfortunately, what happens to some people and quite a lot of people is that they get that order in the wrong position. Sometimes people get baptized and then they hear the Word of God and then they get saved. But you know what happens to them? Quite often they say, well, I've already been baptized. And they have already been baptized in water. But see, ladies and gentlemen, nobody can be biblically baptized until, first of all, you've been saved. Now, you may go down into the water, and you may say it's baptism, but it wasn't baptism if you weren't saved. So here's what I've found as I travel around the country, Brother Fred. And I don't make a big deal about this, but I am amazed that very rarely do I ever preach this sermon. But what somebody will come to me after the service or sometimes in the service and say, Brother Junior, that happened to me. When I was a little boy or a young girl or when I was here or there, I got baptized, but I wasn't saved. But I'm saved now. I've been saved for many years. And it's bothered me sometimes that I've never had a believer's baptism. I preached up in Rhode Island a couple of years ago. They tell us Rhode Island is next to Vermont, the most secular, non-religious state in the Union. And I was preaching at a little Baptist church, and uh, the guy who led the praise band was playing the guitar. He looked like he's about 20 years old. And uh, I preached basically this same sermon I'm preaching tonight, today. And after the service was over, this young boy came up to me. And he said, Brother Junior, I I was really interested in that sermon you preached this morning. Uh, You said that baptism is something that happens to you after you get saved. He said, I I want to ask you a question. He said, "Uh, I grew up in the Episcopal Church. And my mom and daddy tell me that when I was a little baby, they had me baptized. And he said, I can't remember anything about that, obviously. But he said, uh, a couple of years ago at a revival here at this church, I opened my heart and I was saved. Now, Brother Junior, what I want to ask you is, should I be baptized? I said, well, son, let me ask you two questions. Were you saved when you were baptized as a baby? 
Well, no, Brother Jerry, I don't even remember that. All right, let me ask you a second question. Are you saved now? Yes, sir, I know Jesus. Well, I said, you just need to get baptized. And he did. And you know, Brother Fred, there are a lot of people like that. I have people tell me all the time, I, I made a profession when I didn't understand it, but I grew up and I got saved, but I've never been baptized since. You say, it don't matter. Well, I believe it does matter. Let me give an illustration to see if you think it matters. We have a, some pretty young teenage girls here today. And all you young girls have in your mind this mental illusion of Mr. Wonderful who's one day coming, don't you? He's going to ride up in a white stallion on a white stallion. He's going to sweep you up into his arms and you'll ride off into the sunset and live happily ever after. All you young girls got that fancy in your mind. Some of you old ladies got that fancy in your mind. <laughs> now let's suppose I call one of those teenage girls up here to the platform. Young lady, I stopped at a little quick mart last night and bought me a box of Cracker Jacks. And when I got down to the bottom, it had a little prize in it. And, and it's a little... Wedding band, play wedding band. I want to give you this little wedding band I got out of that box of Cracker Jacks. Well, she'd take it and throw it away or put it aside somewhere. One day, Mr. Wonderful's coming, girls. He's not going to look like what you thought he would. You thought he'd be tall, slim, and handsome. He'll be short, fat, and ugly. <laughs> but you're going to love him more than you ever dreamed you could love a man. And one day you go to stand at an altar and by your side is that young boy and the preacher looks at him and says, Son, you have a ring for this girl's finger? Oh, yes, sir. I made the final payment at Walmart last night. On that. <laughs> All right, son. Put it on her finger and repeat after me this vow. And she puts it, he puts it on her finger and she draws back her hand and says, No, thank you. I don't want to wear that ring. Why? Well, when I was a young girl, there was a preacher who came to my church, and he gave me a ring he got out of a box of Cracker Jacks. I believe I'd rather wear that ring. Do you think that's what you girls will say? If you think that's what you will say, we've got a room over here for you at a home somewhere. No, you won't say that. You won't say, I wear the Cracker Jack ring. No, you'll say, put it on my finger. I love you and you've given yourself to me and I want everybody to know I'm not ashamed. Now, folks, listen to me. I'm not trying to be smart aleck or harsh or judgmental, but I'm going to tell you something. I believe in this building today that there are several people that have a crackerjack baptism. You're saved. If you died, you believe you'd go to heaven. But your baptism is invalid. You say it doesn't matter. Well, I believe it does matter. And I believe when this invitation is given, there are some people right here in this building should get up and just walk down here and take Brother Fred by the hand. And say, Pastor, 
Brother Junior talked about me. That's what happened to me. I got baptized, and then I got saved. Now I want my baptism to be valid and in the proper place. Take a lot of pride for you to do it. Because the devil will tell you people will laugh at you if you do that. No, nobody's going to laugh at you. They're going to rejoice that you're doing what God told you to do. I say this last word, we're going to have prayer. One of the devil's biggest lies is to tell you that you don't need to walk down this aisle because you're a church member. Now, I'm not one of those evangelists that preach very much about being a lost church member. I just don't tilt my messages much that way. But I am understanding of the Bible enough to know that the Word of God declares very clearly that there are a lot of people in our churches that are members that are not saved. In spite of all the good preaching that they've heard and all the instructions that they've received, a lot of people get in churches lost without being saved. I think anybody that knows anything about the church knows that's true. Jesus warned about it specifically when He said in the last days, Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, have we not preached in thy name and cast out devils and done miracles and works? And I will say to them, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. And I believe that I may very likely be speaking to a man or a woman here today in this building that's a church member. And you're a good, decent, law-abiding person. But in your heart, you know that you've never been saved. Why don't you just be honest with God today? Why don't you just swallow the pride that's going to keep you from doing what you ought to do? And just say, I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what anybody thinks. I want to be saved. And I'm going to walk down that aisle even though I'm a church member. I believe there's somebody right here who needs to come and make that decision today. It'll take a lot of stamina for you to do it. The devil will put pride in your way and he'll try to keep you from walking down that aisle. But if God tells you that you're lost, you need to come. I started preaching when I was 17 years old. I grew up in a home that never went to church. My mom and daddy were not Christians. Brother Fred, I was almost a teenager before I ever went inside the walls of a church. I was a pagan, knew nothing. But a little lady stopped by my house one day and invited me to go to Sunday school. And as a little boy, just 12, 13, I started to Sunday school. And when I was 17 years old, God saved me. I didn't understand anything. I wasn't aware of a lot of doctrinal issues, knew nothing about the church. But I knew that they told me that Jesus loved me and that I was a sinner. And if I'd ask Him, the Lord would save me. And I did that and I was saved. Two years later, God called me to be a preacher at 19. I'm amazed that God would ever call somebody like me. Somebody that didn't have any background, didn't have much knowledge wasn't very attractive or intellectually gifted. But God in His grace called me. And the very first sermon I ever preached, 
My mama, my daddy, and my sister were all saved. But my brother, the oldest member of our family, came to hear me preach. And he was sitting in that back section back there when the invitation was given. And I watched him as he cried. But he wouldn't come forward. Stood back there and cried. When the service was over, I was talking to him. I said, Leon, I saw you crying tonight. Did God speak to your heart? He said, Junior, he did, son. I need to be saved. And I said, Leon, why don't you and I just sit down here and I'll tell you how to be saved. And I'll tell you what I found in my life and I believe he'll save you, Leon. And Brother Fred, I'll never forget what he said. I can hear it now like it was yesterday. He said, son, not right now. My wife and I are having some marriage problems. And when I get them worked out, then I'll get saved. But what he didn't know, and what I didn't know, and nobody but God knew, was that just a few weeks later, he was standing with a fishing pole in his hand, warm November morning. And just like that, he's toppled over in the grave of the water. Dead. 34 years old. In the prime of his life. You know, Brother Fred, I've thought about it all of these years. I seldom ever preach that I don't think about what my brother said. As soon as I get it worked out, I'm going to get saved. That's what you're saying today. I'm going to be saved, preacher. I'm going to be baptized. I'm going to do that. And the devil is assaulting your mind. Why don't you obey God this morning? Why don't you come and say, I want to be saved. I want to be baptized like a believer. Or I want to join this church and be a part of this fellowship. Why don't you obey God and just do what He tells you to do? Would you bow your head just a moment, please? Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Brother Ed's coming to lead us in this invitation hymn. I believe with all of my heart that I'm not here by accident today. I'm not near the preacher that your wonderful pastor is. But I believe God purposely sent me here today to this church to share the gospel in my simple way for somebody listening right now that needs to be saved. Somebody needs to come and be baptized. Somebody come and need to, a believer's baptism. And I'm going to ask you to come. Don't say if somebody else goes, I'll go. It doesn't have anything to do with anybody else. It's between you and God. If you're the only person that walks down this aisle, then you ought to do what God tells you to do. I'm going to ask you to come. I believe there are several people that want to do that. And as soon as we stand, Brother Ed leads us. Brother Fred's right here at the front. Why don't you just slip out? Walk right down here to the front. Say, Pastor, I want to do God's will today. He's calling me. Father, I thank you for the simple gospel. Lord, I thank you for giving me grace to share how men and women, boys and girls, can be saved. Lord, I know that nobody can bring anybody to Jesus except the Holy Spirit. 
And I pray right now, dear Holy Spirit of God, that you will draw somebody to yourself. And Lord, may somebody walk down this aisle and say, I want to be saved. I want to be baptized. God, save somebody. And I'll thank and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.